for reasons that absolutely shock and surprise me. A lot of people who listen to the podcast have said they'd like it to be longer. Well, I don't think it's that crazy of an idea. I mean, people love you. So we are doing this. We have created a bonus subscription service. You can subscribe on our website, I don't need an acting class.com. Just click on the link. And for $3.99 a month, you get a lot of benefits. You get extended, unedited episodes, chapters of Milton's next book, personal audio responses to your acting questions. And what we're most excited about is our new series called Conversations on Acting, where we will invite actors of note to come talk about their process. If you are a subscriber, you will get a special invitation to that conversation where you can participate, you can ask questions. So sign up now to get all that good stuff at I don't need an acting class.com. Hi, this is Milton Justice, and welcome back to my podcast, I Don't Need an Acting Class. Last episode, I promised to tell you what I consider to be the biggest sin of acting. And I mentioned to you that it actually, uh, there weren't originally 10 commandments, there were originally 11 commandments. And this was one of them. It just so happened when Moses was tripping his way down the mountain, uh, he dropped one. And so this has been kind of left for all times. The biggest sin of acting, I think, is thou shalt not make performance decisions when you first read a script. Patrick said he took a casting director's workshop uh, about a month ago and he said the casting director said exactly the same thing he said the problem actors make is is that they make a decision way too fast as to what it is they're going to perform it and I, I don't know maybe it makes sense I read a line of dialogue and I think to myself oh this is how you say it or even worse this is a line of dialogue. I know who would say a line of dialogue like that. Now I've made a character decision. I've made a performance decision. And it's very hard to fight that. It's very hard to fight that. You get it stuck in your head about this is how you perform it. Um, I, I, I once watched a teacher who was teaching Michael Chekhov, and he was trying to show how you physicalize an action, and he had the line, I hate you. And he had somebody do some physical thing, physical thing, physical thing before he said the line, I hate you. There was an assumption that there was only one way to say the line, I hate you. So, I mean, that's the, it's like it took out of context any kind of circumstance that might exist. Uh, my brilliant son looked at me one day and he said, we're out of milk. And I walked over to the refrigerator, opened it, moved the orange juice, and behind it was the milk. To which he very lovingly, I hope, looked at me and he said, I hate you. <laughs> but you, you see, that's the whole thing. It's a, such a simplistic example. But the problem is we're leaping so fast to 
to, to get to a decision. Uh, it's almost like we're forever stuck in the fourth grade. And somebody said, you know, what's, I don't know, what's the hypotenuse of a right triangle? And you raise your hand so you can answer. I, I can't believe I used that example. I can't possibly remember what that is. But it's, it's like we leap to, to the answer, and we do the same thing with acting, and it really doesn't make sense. If you really approach acting like Sunday in the Park with George, I, I will confess to you, I get all my philosophies of life from Stephen Sondheim musicals. And so there's a moment at the beginning, or at, at Sunday in the Park with George, where, where the painter George Seurat looks at the audience and says, paraphrased, uh, he's looking at a canvas and he says, a blank canvas, my favorite, so many possibilities. And to me, when I heard that, I thought, my God, if we approached acting as so many possibilities, rather than this is how we do it, uh, it would open up an entire world for us. And uh, to me, this is, this is where we get stuck. This is where we go down the wrong road. This is where we absolutely have this biggest sin of acting, which is I have to answer the question right away. I don't look at the blank canvas and think, what are the possibilities? We don't put enough importance on that first paint stroke. And so therefore we leap to the decisions. Okay, so... And by the way, I just would like to add, there is not an acting teacher alive, as far as I know, who will not say that the play is not in the words. I mean, everybody says, oh, the play is not in the words. It's not in the words. It's what's behind the words, whatever it is. And yet, nobody hears it. The first place we go is to the words. And so, and my God, and imagine, you know, to me, there are, there, there are directors who say, I want you off book at the first rehearsal. Uh, until you're off book, you can't do creative work. As far as I'm concerned, as soon as I go to the words, all my creative work stops. If I'm not exploring the possibilities, well, how do I know where these words come from? The second you go to the words, you go to a performance of the words. I don't know anybody who doesn't do that. And that's the reason you have to be so careful. So, how do I solve this sin? What does the priest say to me at confession? Many years ago, I was having dinner with a former student, Joe Allen. And he said to me, the most important thing you ever taught me was start every play as if you know nothing. And I thought that was so interesting. I'm always interested in what actors get out of class. But start every play as if you know nothing was so interesting. And coincidentally, uh, I got an email from a student, Garrett, who is doing a film where he had to be desperately in love. And he said, you'd be so proud of me. I, I started my work as if I had no idea what love was. So what does this do? What I think it does is to allow you to explore the many possibilities. And yes, sometimes your 
first instinct is absolutely it. Not often, but but uh, but but sometimes. I mean, I, I I quite honestly think that our first impulse is probably based on a cliche that is clamped someplace in our brain where every possible cliche from film and television lives, and that's where we go. But on the other hand. I started this in class not too long ago. Somebody would make a decision, and I'd say, or. <laughs> and I think you can take that first decision and think to yourself, or. And that really becomes it. I have to allow myself the possibilities of something else. And it makes sense that the, the more information I know, the, the more it has the possibility of changing. Uh, it is why we have rehearsals. I met this brilliant w woman, Maria Svetsova, uh, at the International Stanislavski Symposium. And Maria pointed out that there was a point where, uh, I guess people know this, I didn't, Stanislavski stopped blocking plays. And the reason he stopped blocking plays is because he felt as if the movement of the act needed to come out of what was going on. So somebody blocks you to go over there and pick up something, but the more you understand, it changes. It's like there's certain things you can do activity-wise uh, that might exist when you're playing one action in the scene, but once you get into more depth, it, just, it doesn't make sense. So I, it's why I, th I think that the, to solve this first sin problem, is to start as if I know nothing and then begin to build it. I was working with Maya not too long ago on a monologue from a really wonderful play called Detroit where she was playing a drug addict. Uh, Maya is the, one of the classiest women I've ever met. And so I, there was something about her playing a drug addict already, but, you know, with class. So, you, you know, you extend beyond. But she was playing her idea of a drug addict. And it, almost as if there is only one way to play a drug addict. So it, it's if I move too quickly and act like I know something, when I know nothing, then I'm going to make a decision like that. Matt did the same thing. I was coaching him over FaceTime. And he there was one line of dialogue that could have been a seduction line, but he made that choice, that it was a seduction. And so suddenly he was playing the whole scene as a seduction, and I said, well, what the hell are you doing, Matt? This scene isn't a seduction. Um, Noah in class the other day, this is another thing. This is another place you go. Noah was frustrated in class the other day, and the reason he was frustrated is he said, I heard the performance in my head, and I thought, oh my God. And, but think about it. You read something and you can feel how it sounds. But I mean, that's the thing. If your acting is in your head, now it's not only in your head, but you're trying to duplicate a performance that you see in your head. Another thing that happens when we leap too quickly, and a lot of this has to do with how we drown in technique. Teo was working on an audition, and 
there seems to be this pressure of I have to make a choice, I have to make a choice, I have to make a choice. And so I make a choice. Whether it makes sense or not, I make a choice. And in this particular scene, he was telling his brother what a jerk their father was. Uh, and I, we were talking about it, and I, and I was helping him go through it, and I said, is this the first time that you've told your brother this? And he said, no, I've told him a thousand times. There was nothing in the script to indicate that he had told him a thousand times. Nothing at all. And there's a difference between when you're telling somebody the first time or it's something I keep telling you. But the need to make a decision quickly, because somebody said to you, you have to make choices, and it's, it, that's, you go uh, once again, you go down that wrong road, and you go down the wrong road with this performance. If, I ha if I'm telling somebody something for the, for the first time, it's, a, it, it's an absolute revelation. If I'm telling them again, I'm bored, they're bored. We're, you know, it's like, God, how many times have I told you? Dad's a jerk. Okay. Another, and to me, this, is, this, this happens more often than not. Another big issue that happens when you make a decision too quickly is that you force onto your choice your own personal baggage your own personal prejudices, your own personal opinions. So uh, as an example, and God, I, um, I, I directed the Donald Margulies play called Time Stands Still. And there's an actress that's one of my favorite people in the world. And Jenna has this scene with the, with the character Mandy, who's played by this adorably sweet girl, Victoria. And Mandy is a, a character that's in the play, and she's the sort of person who just doesn't understand what a war photographer does and why they can't help. And she brings up the, the baby elephant that can't find its mother and says, I don't understand why the photographer couldn't help the baby elephant. And, and so Jenna's sort of relationship to Mandy was something that is Jenna, which is, I hate stupid people. And I mean, it's like she has no patience with stupid, in life she has no patience with stupid people. And so at the first rehearsal, she was like the biggest bitch <laughs> to, to Victoria. And it was just appalling. I won't tell you what I said, but I said, I said, this is my God, you want to kill somebody that's like that. And you miss the play. You miss the play because what Donald Margulies is trying to say in the play is time stands still. There is this moment that you capture that says something. You don't involve yourself in it. Well, I mean, it, obviously, it's a, it's a very, very big issue. Uh, another thing, and I, I point this one out because um, I, in class I said to Akende, well, one particular point, 
why the hell are you yelling? And he said, well, the stage direction says angry. And I thought, you know, you can't blame him for making that choice because the writer, I, I, I always encourage actors to go through and take out all the stage directions, take out everything that the writer said in terms of an emotion to play and how to play it and all of that, but you almost couldn't blame, blame him because the writer told him how to play it, and so he was going to play it angry. The thing that interests me about that, which we call an effect direction, and directors do this to actors all the time, play it angry. Uh, the interesting thing that I think also happens when you jump too quickly is that you do jump to a cliche. Uh, I mean, I was thinking afterwards, I thought, so every single time you're angry at somebody, you yell? I mean, and, I, and so it's like, of course not. I, I don't know people who yell when they're angry, quite frankly. Most of us t- sit on the emotion more than anything else. But so the other thing that happens, when I start the play as if I know nothing, then maybe I don't even know how to play anger. And by just kind of like setting this down as like, I'm, I, wait, hold on, I just leapt. I just figured out that this is how you play anger. Uh, nope, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to edit this. I'm going to pull this down. Also more interesting. I mean, we all know in life when somebody starts yelling, you can hear about five words before you cut off. Really serious fights where there's serious anger, are usually really quiet, which makes them really, really scary. Uh, another, all right, one more. I have so many of these. But so many of these are these things where we jump way too quickly to a decision. I was directing a play called Disgraced, and uh, in it there's a character that is described as wanting to look very American. Okay, to Greg's credit, at the first rehearsal, he brought costume. And I, I don't really have many actors who do that, who just bring you know an element of costume to the first rehearsal. Greg, however, decided that he was going to wear a hoodie with a cap under it. And I said, what is that? And he said, well, he's very American. And I, he's dressing very American. And I'm looking at a room full of American students and saying, I'm sorry, does anybody here dress like that? And then I looked at him and I said, Greg, the character is Muslim. He's American. He's fluent in English. He grew up in America. You are Muslim. <laughs> You're fluent in English and you grew up, you may have been born in Guyana, but the fact of the matter is you grew up in America. Have you ever worn a hoodie? But again, it's one of those things. It's it's like you see something. And the funny thing about it is uh, I had to stop him also because he's very well educated and went to a private school. 
I mean, as soon as I say to you, he's educated, went to a private school, if you're not careful, you're going to say, oh, he's a snob. And, but you see, it's like we have to be so, so careful. Chris was doing a film where he was playing a homeless kid that becomes a militant Muslim, and Chris knew that he knew nothing about being a Muslim. Much easier for him to do the part. Because he approached every single thing as if it was a piece of information that he didn't know and was immediately able to turn it into something actable. JP was working on a, a, a scene from an Errol Watson play called A Different Moon. And this girl is telling him that she's pregnant and he realizes he's going to ruin his entire life, that all of his plans are finished. And then there's a stage direction that says he kisses her. And, and of course, I wanted to scream at JP because it, he immediately said, oh, he suddenly has gotten romantic. And I, and I said, will you look at the given circumstances of this play? Does that sound like he just got romantic? And then all of a sudden he got it. It was a revenge kiss. But that's the thing. We, we, he, he kisses her, so it's obviously romantic. Uh, he dresses like an American. Clearly he wears a hoodie. If we don't start every play as if I know nothing, then we can bury ourselves uh, in either cliches or totally and completely unbelievable characters. I think one of the things that we have to allow ourselves is to say, I have no idea. It's okay. I have no idea what that means. In our next episode, I want us to explore the idea of where do I go? to begin to fill in a play. And oddly enough, the place that you go is not just the facts of the play. It's not just answering those famous five questions. Who am I? What am I? What do I want? What do I want? And it's from a chapter of the book called Deadly, Deadly Facts. Hi, everybody. It's Walker Vreeland. I'm the producer of I Don't Need an Acting Class with Milton Justice. Director of online media is Evan Sollers, and music is provided by David DeJuice. If you have a question or comment you'd like Milton to address on an upcoming episode, email us at questionsformilton at gmail.com. Again, that's questionsformilton at gmail.com. And if you like the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. Thanks so much for listening.